Hi everyone, and welcome to another special episode of the Highlights from Ukraine podcast. As you know, our regular episodes provide you with a daily portion of top news stories from Ukraine in a very short format. But in our long talk episodes, we invite guests to get into details of some of the aspects of the war and people's life during it. Today we are talking about Ukrainians who were forced to stay abroad due to the full-fledged Russian invasion of Ukraine. Our guest is Anna Gordichuk, comms and creative industries professional who spent more than a year in the UK because of the war, but decided to return before it ends. Also, what's especially dear to me, Anna is a fellow dog owner. Her multipoo, Princess Grace, is with us in studio today, so possible barks you may hear are no special effects. Hello, Anna. Thank you for coming and agreeing to talk about your experience, which I understand wasn't pleasant. Uh, hi, Artem, and thank you for having me here. So, Anna, let's probably start from, from the top, uh, from the time when the invasion started. Where were you uh, when Russia full-fledgedly invaded Ukraine last year on 24th of February? It may sound ironically, but I already stayed in the UK because I had a gap Um, in my project, between my projects, and I finally had a chance to take a vacation. So I went for a holiday in the UK, and I was supposed to stay there for two weeks. And I had a flight back from London to Kiev on 26th of plant. <laughs> It was planned on 26th of um, February. February. And as you can guess, I didn't come back. Well, yeah, that probably wasn't something you were expecting from your holiday, no, for sure. No, okay, uh, how did you find out about uh, that aggression started, that the invasion started, basically, on the morning of 24th? Uh, I would say that the week before the invasion was pretty intense in the media about all those news, and especially in the British like news, it was booming. Uh, how many soldiers, Russian soldiers, uh, staying next to the Ukrainian border, um, about weapons, that they supply weapons to Ukraine and what scenario may may be and all those interviews. So it was people paid attention in the UK, they paid attention to this. So I already was not calm uh, for sure. And I was having actually really bad dreams, especially this week before the, the war. And I would wake up every morning, like at 3 a.m., ironically, again, and to check the news. Is everything okay? Who is in line among my friends and all of that stuff? So the day that uh, the full uh, invasion started, I woke up at 3 a.m., which was mm-hmm. almost 5 in Ukraine. So Basically I, I, the time when yeah, the invasion started. Yeah, so. just the clock <laughs> was exactly the perfect. And I just saw all of that. And the funny part that um, I started texting my friends, some of, of them who stayed in Kiev and my family, a small town in Vinitsa region. Mom was awake um, and she texted me and said it started. Our friends, some of them, they slept. Some of them just woke up and was trying to understand what's going on. And uh, my friend, who is an <laughs> Icelandic journalist, uh, he called me from Reykjavik. And I now I understand that he was calling everyone uh, from Ukraine that he knew uh, to inform, like, wake up, the war started. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> like, he was calling me from Reykjavik. I was like, okay, I know it. Oh Thank you for warning me. I'm in the UK. So <laughs> so he, he, he was probably afraid for your lives, uh, your uh, yeah, and your yeah, friends. Yeah. Uh, what were your first thoughts or actions uh, when you heard that the invasion started? Uh, did you believe it? Yeah, I did believe it because it pretty much real. Uh, before the invasion, why 
what was another reason for them to collect all those soldiers and troops next to Ukrainian border? For me, it felt like just a matter of time. I mm-hmm. didn't believe that they would come from all of the directions, especially from the Belarusian <laughs> side, because it's uh, in the way of in the political way, it's way too complicated. And I didn't believe that Belarus would let uh, them uh, cross the border from that side, and that they would reach basically Kiev in a certain way. And uh, at the time, so basically before you left for the UK for this holiday, you uh, you lived in Kiev, right? Yeah, of course, I always live, well, most of the time I live in Kiev. And so you're not, you're not expecting that uh, the invasion basically would target, uh, would start so close to to Ukraine's capital, right? No, I believe that they would come just from Crimea side and focus mostly on the east. Um, well, of course, I was scared that I had understanding that they have all those missiles that because they were always bragging about this uh, in any concert or social media. I imagine that they would hit, uh, try to hit some targets in central Ukraine or Kyiv, but not to come to Bucha, Hostomel and Brovary and other towns next to Kyiv. Yeah, well, that's that was of course a surprise. I can imagine. Uh, so you mentioned that you've been uh, on holidays to the mm-hmm. UK. So uh, where you just uh, so basically where did you find a place to stay uh, when you uh, found out about the invasion? And of course, probably uh, there were no flights, understandably, yeah. and probably not even a way to to return. Uh, but uh, where did you stay? How you established basically your life there? That's exactly the situation that I call a Paddington moment when you stay <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, a new country that you just happen to stay uh, with a small luggage that you just packed for two weeks and now you stay there and like, okay, cool. What, what should I do next? But um, at that moment, like the first week, I of course didn't know that uh, the UK would open the borders, uh, let's call it open the borders and create all those programs for Ukrainians, for Ukrainian refugees. And since I had my visa open and it lasted, it was open till June, July. So I could legally stay in the UK. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay much attention to this at the beginning because I know that I legally can stay in UK or Europe. And after like, spring, summer, I should choose my way where, where I can be, where I can live or find hostage, let's call it. But then um, the UK, they they uh, decided to support Ukrainian Ukrainians and Ukrainian refugees. And they created these uh, programs for Ukrainians who can find uh, sponsors in the UK and for yeah. families. Uh, homes for Ukrainians. Homes for Ukrainians yeah. programs. So, and I applied. So, uh, but in, in between the time you found this... Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, host family or whoever was it where were you staying for this period I of time st- I was staying with my friends I was staying with my boyfriend I, I lived everywhere so I moved around I lived everywhere just um, yeah this this Paddington moment yeah, well yeah I understand Hope, yes uh, it's nice that in London they are actually um, I have friends and there is a community and they're pre- pretty much like Not the big one, the biggest one, but... You mean the Ukrainian community? Ukrainian community, uh, but really, like, helpful, 
everyone's open so of course in the, in the moment a few days people created many groups uh, how to support Ukrainians uh, if you need something you can ask and, and someone would help you so it I, I didn't felt that I didn't worry that much about where I live what I do Uh, because my focus was on Ukraine and um, people, my people there, my family and friends there, and the men of my family, because they all went to defend Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the first day when it started, and they joined this, how do we call it? Um, Voluntarily defense force, yeah, uh, like regional defense, defense force. Yes, exactly. So I, I, my focus was on this. I didn't didn't care much fairly what what I eat and what I do. So it just came naturally from from friends, uh, boyfriend and all of the people that cared about me. Yeah, so, well, it's great that uh, you had people to help you out. Uh, so, uh, okay, what was your life in the UK? You found a place to stay via this uh, governmental program. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your papers sorted out, at least for the time being. So, uh, you've already mentioned that, uh, as far as I understand, you followed closely what was going on in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And how, I don't know, how your day looked like, what were you doing, what were you thinking, feeling? I would say for the first few months I was uh, trying not to stay calm, more or less, keep my sanity, uh, because all those you see, uh, like literally the fight for you for Kiev, battle for Kiev, and you follow all the news, you know, more or less, you know where your friends and and and, and relatives are, and they were all there involved. So my day uh, was basically like this this spring slash summer was just wake up to check, call everyone to see what's going on uh, and basically live with all those emotions that every I believe every Ukrainian had to live no matter where he or she stayed. And it was tragic. For, I believe for everyone. I, I'm telling this because I believe those feelings are not unique for me. It's it's like more or less every Ukrainian feels the same uh, about the news and all all those horrible horrible atrocities that that, that you can wisdom you can see every day. Um, so I was trying to live with this and more or less be functional, like eat, walk, take a shower. This 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 condition, I would say, is close to depression, but it's it's because you cannot you don't have enough energy to take care of yourself the proper way. But the reason is really measurable, and you can describe it. The reason is because there is a war in your country, and your people yeah, are dying, and you react on this. You don't ha- you don't need much therapy to to recognize this problem. And uh, you just can name it. Um, so I lived with this for quite a long time, but I was trying to be normal, like meet friends, talk. But of course, if you meet a Ukrainian friend, you talk about this. Even if you meet a foreign friend, you just, just you're trying to explain uh, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on with you, how you feel. And it's still you live with this concept of war in your head, even when you're abroad. 
so you basically felt like a need uh, I don't know to to represent your country's case uh, even while abroad uh, like course, you said talking with foreigners I believe that uh, Ukrainians who are abroad staying living doesn't matter how long they all are Ukrainian ambassadors and they need to spread the word about this and it includes like going for some demonstrations protests or marches to support you, you bring this part of Ukraine with you and need, you need to talk about this even when you cannot or you don't want you you need you just should talk <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, you already mentioned uh, that there were uh, quite a small but still uh, Ukrainian community yeah. in London. Uh, I believe uh, with the start of the war with uh, millions of Ukrainians uh, leaving uh, the country, mm-hmm. uh, fleeing the country as refugees to the uh, to the EU and uh, after that uh, to the UK as well. Uh, how uh, basically has changed, I don't know, the landscape of Ukrainians uh, in London and, uh, I don't know, in general in the UK? What have you seen? I believe that uh, because I spent two weeks before the invasion and There was like this pivot moment, let's call it like that. And then when the invasion started, landscape, as you said, changed because uh, I could recognize Ukrainian flags in the neighborhood in London, in Greenwich, where I stayed, like many of them, just mm-hmm. balcony or window. Uh, so people raised their voice and said, okay, I'm Ukrainian and I support Ukraine. Or I'm even if I'm not Ukrainian, I support Ukraine. I just place my this flag. Um, on my window, so my political, probably a human position uh, statement um, is up, so you can see who that I support Ukraine. And it was visible. Plus, there were actually many uh, protests, demonstrations in central London, uh, and many people went there, like Ukrainians with some agenda with some messages you mean including refugees right including but okay they this this way this um wave uh, from ukraine refugees uh, that went for um homes for ukraine program uh, they arrived in the first ones probably in april mm-hmm. so they needed to sort out the paperwork yeah, they receive yeah. permission yeah. and only then because the UK yeah. they open um, uh, sorry just to mention to yeah. our listeners so basically uh, the situation is that in order to uh, travel to the EU Ukrainians don't need any visas uh, we have a visa free regime but uh, for the UK the situation is different for the US Canada as well because uh, Ukrainians need to apply for visas mm-hmm. and uh, even in situation of war they still needed to sort out some paperwork apply for this program in order to cross the border right yeah actually it's It's not that easy if you just go there alone and you find you need to find a sponsor in the UK who can help you with uh, home and support you for a while. I mean, not financially, just mentoring, I would say. You need to find this person, you need to apply. Uh, this person has to apply, you need to apply. You apply for visa and it took it takes like you know, two months or maybe a bit Yeah, so basically like a UK-based person, uh, whatever nationality or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, he or she can apply uh, uh, to host Ukrainians and Ukrainians can apply uh, to uh, basically come as guests uh, to the UK, yeah. right? And if it's a match, uh, then uh, you can yeah. proceed with... Uh, so the British person uh, hosts a Ukrainian or Ukrainian family for uh, at his or her house for like six months. 
no payment because the government covers this. And mm-hmm. then if it works, they can prolong this um, this living. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is another uh, program that if someone Ukrainian has a relative in the UK, they can apply for a family program. So basically, like family reunion. Yeah, so basically they arrive to their family yeah. members. Yeah. So, but still, this this process takes some time. And uh, I, when I applied, for example, uh, this program was open in March. I applied, I got my documents maybe late April mm. sorted. So, so when this wave of Ukrainians uh, came, so Ukrainians became more visible because um, British people, sponsors, they have they were welcoming Ukrainians, so mm-hmm. they would place, most of them they would place flags on balconies, so you can see either there is Ukrainian family or Ukrainian family that lives there because the British person uh, hosts them. So so basically, as a Ukrainian in the UK, you felt like, uh, the, let's say, the general support of the UK society for Ukraine? It looks like it doesn't change much, But the person who is lost in the UK and you see those flags and you see the support uh, in the moments when you're really down because of another wave of news, uh, it helps you. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, so uh, you mentioned uh, the people were coming since April, they were staying with uh, the UK families. Uh, you said already that uh, there was a support uh, You felt the support of uh, the UK uh, community, let's say, uh, UK society for Ukraine and Ukrainians. Um, have you been in touch with other Ukrainian refugees who were uh, coming to the UK? Sure. Um, so I ended up living in um, Leamington Royal Spa. It's a small town in between, like next to Birmingham or Coventry, um, Warwickshire. And um, for, for listeners, I, I have no idea where it is. <laughs> it's a beautiful place with beautiful parks and, and lakes and swans. Oh, per- well, so, so sounds like a good place. It's a really nice place. Uh, it's next to Stratford, where actually uh, Shakespeare came. And it's next to the place where Tolkien lived. So you can imagine it's <laughs> well, a magical place. Like Okay, okay. sorry, but uh, I've got you distracted from the topic <laughs> with my comments okay yeah let's get back to uh, you were living in Leamington Royal Spa yes I believe then before this wave and the war um, not many Ukrainians live there but there is a strong Polish community and there is a Polish uh, culture center so when Ukrainians arrived Ukrainians and refugees <laughs> they uh, they they found a place to get her or have some events at this Polish center and a church, the main church in, in Lemington. And now they're actually Ukrainian cafe, so all Ukrainians go there for... Uh, for the service. For the service oh. uh, and for food, which is important. And <laughs> Polish center because uh, we get... Uh, actually, we got a lot of support from, from, from the Polish people, from small details, uh, like advices to... They would share... Mm, food or stuff for kids like trolls and, and other stuff mm-hmm. that families needed. So uh, of course we that's digital digital areas of uh, there is a chat for Ukrainians uh, on Telegram, Facebook uh, communities. 
and mostly people know each other since we all have like we go attend the same events so we see each other we know each other plus many people they came to the town they some of them they found jobs and like uh, hairdresser cafes uh, shops and you could recognize ukrainian accent and mm-hmm. like uh, hello hi or you can just uh, hear ukrainian language been spoken yeah. on the streets yeah exactly or swimming pool <laughs> yeah okay so uh, i can imagine you are like talking with people uh, sharing maybe your stories or have you settled in the uk mm-hmm. uh, can you maybe share how uh, in general people were finding uh, like uh, their hosts uh, were they all welcoming as mm-hmm. yours or were there like different stories Of course, all of them, they had different stories. Uh, some Ukrainians, they um, came there because they had relatives. Mm-hmm. And mostly families, like I know a woman uh, with a child from Odessa, her sister lives in Lemington, so they applied and they came there uh, as a family uh, and for, stayed. For the family reunion. Yeah, yeah the family mm-hmm. reunion. There were moments, uh, example cases, when uh, Ukrainians would ask uh, Um, they're like volunteer groups uh, or volunteers who um, would help uh, with this application because it's pretty tricky and not easy to apply. It takes one mm-hmm. one day for sure to apply. So they would help them to find a sponsor or and apply for, for this visa. People, uh, so British people, uh, they, many of them, they joined um, those Facebook groups and they would post like I'm British person I can host a family or I can host one person I have one spare room or I have building for for Ukrainian family so that's how people would find those sponsors um, different stories but the common, okay, not common most of them they came to most of Ukraine many Ukrainians they came to uh, the UK not knowing those not knowing well uh, people from from the UK Uh, who supposed to host them just because they were scared and they wanted to feel safe. So basically they were moving in uh, to basic, uh, total strangers. Yeah, Paddington <laughs> moment <laughs> again. Um, and they they had to stay with, uh, with uh, the British people. So yeah, family program still works, and but it was not that common because as, as the Ukrainian community is not that huge. Mm-hmm. Host all the families, but British people are really welcoming, and uh, they would host strangers from Ukraine. And the same Ukrainians would accept this help and stay with strangers just because they they needed a safe mm-hmm. place to live. Okay, let's make a pause here, and after uh, we after a short break, we'll return and talk more about Anna's life in the UK. Thank you for listening to the Highlights from Ukraine podcast. We are an commercial initiative of just two people, and we need your help to grow. Share information about the podcast, rate us in the app, subscribe to our Patreon. With your support, we are getting better. And uh, we are back with Anna to talk more about her life in the UK. So, Anna, uh, were you maybe considering staying in the UK for good at some point, starting basically your new life there? I didn't have that toast type of thoughts like I'm staying here forever because everything was and still is uncertain you never know what may happen tomorrow and one year ago I didn't know either I need to take care of myself in the way 
like feel okay, you feel better, like work at least uh, in the morning or in the um, evening because I really, I was really, I felt really depressed. Let's call it depressed. I needed to take care of myself, uh, like health, mental and physical, be more social with friends, the Ukrainian community. And when I pass the stage, I will see how it goes and then uh, start looking for a job or for my my place to leave or mm-hmm. been like that normal person does. <laughs> yeah, basically... Pick build your even temporarily but still your life still in the UK. your life in the UK like in the in the way how people live uh, so but this mm, this time I spent I did spend a few months focusing on being okay <laughs> functional and then I uh, decided that okay I need to go for some interviews to see how it goes because I've worked in Ukraine I had a nice job everything was mm-hmm. Okay, I I have my place to leave, my hobbies, my friends, and it was just crashed in one moment yeah. because some, your whole life. Yeah, and you just basically you like collect pieces of a cup and try to glue them. So I I needed some time to understand, get used, get back in this on track uh, on those interview processes and Ukrainian interview process and the British one, they are absolutely different. You need to have the skill, have to present yourself, have to highlight your experience or um, your education, uh, just basically like sell yourself in a, in a British mm-hmm. way. It takes time and... Um, to learn this, yeah. Yeah, to learn this, have to, have to act, have to present yourself. And by the way, um, there are many programs, like educational programs for Ukrainians in the UK about this job application process, how to present your, mm. yourself. You mean uh, like state programs for Ukrainians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The state, they, they, they um, arrange them in every district uh, that's for free. So they, they teach you how to write your resume, how to <laughs> reply to the mm-hmm. HR manager and all of that. So it takes time. I took this time. Uh, uh, that that you heard, Grace. Finally. Like I said, uh, uh, those are no special effects. We have uh, a beautiful multi-poo uh, Grace with us uh, today in studio. So that's that's her. Been protective for her uh, <laughs> yeah. mm. family. So uh, it took time, and but I really appreciate this, this experience. Um, it's unique. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you, you ever, you ever... Mean the, the experience of like uh, applying, learning yeah, to apply yeah, yeah. For, for 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 a job abroad. Exactly. And plus, it brought me to another community, Ukraine, young Ukrainians, mostly like my age, more or less, mm-hmm. who uh, were trying, are still trying to find a job in London or some other uh, some other places. We would share this experience like with every interview, what happened, what uh, what case it was, because like it was like cases. Like and l- lessons learned from, yeah, from yeah, the exactly, interview. From, from the others and from, from your experience. Uh, which was great, but it actually takes a lot of time. This application uh, process, uh, it six months, it could take six months for you to get to find a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, that's uh, that's no easy treat. Uh, so you already mentioned uh, this uh, program for Ukrainians, right, uh, about these interviews. But uh, more generally, of course, uh, not every Ukrainian uh, knows English. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, and, uh, I can imagine not uh, every refugee mm-hmm. uh, knows English, uh, especially on the level to be like fully integrated into the British society. So were there any programs, local or national, uh, for Ukrainian uh, targeted at Ukrainians uh, to let them learn English? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, when um, hosts, like British person, host a Ukrainian refugee, uh, it's kind of predictable that this person would help with some basic stuff, like to show where is the grocery store or mm-hmm. um, clinic. And so the host uh, supposed to integrate Ukrainian refugee into this society on the basic level, like mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. survive and feel okay. Uh, plus, uh, Ukrainian communities, as I said, they help a lot. And every council in a town uh, or district, they have um, English uh, classes for different levels. So you can join them for free and learn uh, English. Uh, plus, it's a nice practice when you go f- out and actually talk and Use. So even you were taking some of those classes? No, I didn't. No? <laughs> I didn't. I I just had some online classes for business English because it was related, more related to this application process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those but, classes, but other Ukrainians were using this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Uh, why not? Of course. And um, in the UK, they have a really decent system with these job centers. When you go there, basically, and you say, "Hi, I'm Anna. I'm that's my CV." Uh, Should I change it? They take a look and say, mm-hmm. yeah, you should change it. We can give you an advisor and you can sit with her or him and uh, they like, will advise you have to change it. Work on it. Um, or, for example, I have an interview tomorrow or in a week. Could you help me with uh, you know my wardrobe and the department of people that can help you to get some decent wardrobe for this specific interview. So they counsel you, they advise you, uh, you just need to follow and stick to the system. So it's quite helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand. Also, uh, so you several times mentioned that you felt almost as depressed, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like on the brink of depression. Uh, whether uh, Have you like thought help uh, there? Were there any like opportunities targeted, especially at Ukrainians, I don't know, state, uh, national, local programs of uh, mental support? Yeah, so in the UK, when um, you arrive there, you should like... It's not apply. It's basically uh, go to the clinic and to get your um, your doctor, your family doctor. Uh, so this person, this family doctor, is responsible for your health. If you mm-hmm. have any, if you feel bad, you just go to the clinic. Like you, both physical, mental, yeah, yes, as well. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, uh, this person consults you, and you you just share all this your bad feelings or whatever it's going on with you you just go there you share and say okay I feel depressed uh, can you help me with this maybe I need some some um, some pills for sleep or I yeah. I need Probably to talk with someone they, they of course can't help with the reason for this depression but <laughs> no, still no. you just can 
help you the way they, they can. So, but but still, UK can help, and they do help <laughs> yeah, with they do help a lot <laughs> with armored vehicles, <laughs> with tanks, with uh, missiles. So yeah, uh, maybe in that way they they do help Ukrainians with depression. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate this, and we expect more. Please, please, please hear <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've got you distracted again. <laughs> no, that's a good point, actually. Uh, I can mention this again. Help us, please. We appreciate your help. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you just go there. I was trying to... UK provides, uh, I know how to call it. It's like the gym subscription, the gym, gym card. Oh, yeah. basically to go to train? Yeah, for mean? free. Oh. So you have this list of um, some some classes, a swimming pool. So and I believe that it helped many Ukrainians. Even it's specially it was like specially designed for Ukrainians. So it's uh, no, not like for every UK person. And uh, no, no, no. This program, I, maybe they 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 provide those cards for any other type of people who came. Uh, I don't know, but. It's like a package, was a package mm-hmm, for Ukrainian mm-hmm. refugee and this card was included. So, and many Ukrainians, as I know my friends, they will go to the gym because it was the way to calm yourself or mm-hmm. just to go to the swimming pool or some yoga, uh, stuff like that. And actually in the UK, there are some uh, Ukrainian um, like projects, I would call it, uh, like mental support that you can call. Mm-hmm. I guess they called Opora. So there's Telegram channel, there's some advices, there's hotline you can call if you feel not okay. But it's uh, but it's in the UK, you mean, yeah? Yeah, it's specifically for, for the UK, mm-hmm. but created by Ukrainians, I guess. Yeah, okay. So before we go on another short break, um, I have a final question, uh, another question. Uh, as I mentioned, we have uh, Princess Grace here with us, your dog, yeah? <laughs> And uh, as far as I know, uh, you've got this dog in the UK. So what's the story behind this, if you can share? Yeah, that's my way to keep <laughs> <laughs> to, deal mental, to deal with stress <laughs> uh, to switch to another uh, stress with a dog uh, so yeah I always wanted uh, wanted a little fluffy creature uh, preferably <laughs> a dog in the shape of a dog and uh, I felt it was I guess January February and my boyfriend gave me her as a present and I just imagine just so sort of keep me okay <laughs> and that it 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 works still so she's uh, she's your little mental helper right mental support animal <laughs> mental support animal and the traveler quite a bit because she traveled with you from the uk to ukraine and about that we will talk after a short break If you like what we do and would like to support us, you can subscribe to our Patreon or send us a one-type tip via PayPal by following the link below. You can also simply recommend us to your friends, won't cost you a buck, but will help more people to find our pod. And we are back again uh, with Anna talking about uh, Ukrainians' life uh, in the UK. And uh, now we are getting to a point when Anna decided to return to Ukraine. Because, uh, well, now we're talking in Ukraine. <laughs> so, yeah, she decided to return. Uh, Anna, when have you started thinking about going back to Ukraine? Uh, what was your motivation? I missed Ukraine. And it's, you know, it was not the first time when I lived abroad. I had have had had experience living abroad one year in Iceland but 
back then it was my choice. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go uh, for a year abroad. I chose the country. I chose that program, that project that I worked. It was my by my choice. Mm-hmm. And when I had some difficulties there, some troubles in, in Iceland, I always remember that it was my choice. The weather is not well. <laughs> well, you knew that was your choice, except leave. With the UK, it was different. I didn't choose this. I happened to stay in the UK, specifically in the UK, not even abroad, just UK, because it was just timing and it happened. Yeah, so basically it was Yeah, by, by someone, luck. someone's choice. <laughs> and those someone's, I mean Russians, But I had decent life in Kiev, uh, uh, as I said, job, hobbies, uh, my dance studio, my friends, my favorite places, restaurants and stuff like this. So I felt like some someone chose this, ty- this life for me mm-hmm. and it was bothering me <laughs> on many levels. So basically like uh, someone took that uh, opportunity to choose from you away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I really hate when people say uh, that war is opportunity because no, it's not. It's someone's decision to live this life like that and it affects you as well because this war is in your country. It's not an opportunity and it's not an uh, opportunity... By to opportunity, you mean so people who says that uh, basically it's an opportunity for Ukrainians to go abroad yeah. and uh, like uh, emigrate, establish their life in, yeah, in actually, like uh, mm-hmm. first world countries. Exactly. Like I even heard this from my friends, like, but now you are in UK, so uh, it's cool, enjoy. Like, no, <laughs> no, uh, I could have chosen this this life find a job, apply for some some project, it doesn't matter. So to choose, that is luck, like <laughs> happiness probably. But when the war starts in your country and you have to flee somewhere, it doesn't matter which country, it's not an opportunity, it's just the way you now live now. So, and I've really missed, uh, so I felt like my life was disrupted. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get back some pieces of this previous life. I understood that it would never be the same, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot well, of change of in Kiev as well. But I wanted at least some pieces of decent life that I created for myself uh, living in Kiev. So uh, basically you decided to take your life under your control, yes. right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and- not rely on On what Putin decides, right? On Putin decides, or even I appreciate help uh, from from the UK, many levels, as we say, and we appreciate this help <laughs> and we, we hope for more. And I appreciate that the UK gave me this chance to live peacefully in a peaceful, beautiful place for with swans for a year and supported me on many levels and gave me new experience and people were awesome. I could never heard no and people were supportive on personal level when you say that you are from from uh, from Ukraine even you stay in a queue to get some kebab or stuff like this and the British person can hear that you are not British and mm-hmm. uh, he or she asks where are you from and you say from Ukraine like oh I 
totally support your country. I I feel sorry for your people. Or when you walk your dog, and uh, of course, there's small talks, small talks about dogs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you start talking and you share the, these feelings. People listen and they understand, especially those people like British people, because they they knew have to face uh, the war alone because they had this in the in the history so you mean the second world war yeah here. i mean and the bombing uh, and especially this uh, this district where i live warwickshire blitz. exactly warwickshire it's next to coventry and coventry was absolutely like vanished because mm-hmm. the nazis just bombed them and there i didn't have to explain many moments about what's going on in ukraine because when i say mariupol and when i say the theater a british person and uh, may understand that this like uh, a page from their history when so they they can relate to this they exactly they can relate to this when the nazi bombed a cathedral uh, a temp- like temple cathedral in Coventry and people were hiding there and they just killed them so there are still walls uh, like remains of mm-hmm. that cathedral and it's it's really close and even visually it reminds them of their history so I didn't felt that so I felt like people understand me but I missed my life because it was disrupted by someone's because choice basically your life was in Ukraine yeah Okay, so um, you decided to return. Uh, that was in spring, right? Uh, this year. February. Oh, February. Yeah. February this year. So basically, uh, a year has passed uh, exactly. since you left mm-hmm. Ukraine. Uh, how did it feel to come back? Uh, what uh, has changed? What you've noticed? Uh, I imagine a lot, of course. Of course, a lot. First of all, I had a tricky, um, tricky way to go back because. Uh, I came from Ukraine and I spent three hours uh, on a flight from Kiev to London and I'm in UK. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took me three days to get from, from the UK to Kiev because I had to like to get... Uh, so since I was traveling with a dog, I could pass, uh, could leave uh, the UK only in a car physically with a dog. I could be in the car. Mm-hmm. So I need to drive from from uh, from Leamington to. So the, you basically, mean you couldn't uh, fly from I the UK fly. to Poland no, or some no, neighboring no. country. <laughs> no, I mm-hmm. uh, went to the border uh, that crosses uh, with France. Mm-hmm. Went on this under the channel. You mean train? Oh, train so under the, the channel. Yeah, car goes just <laughs> on the train, and this train just delivers basically mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to France. Then drive to Paris. From Paris, I had a flight to Poland, Warsaw. With your dog. With a dog. Yeah. In a cab. Uh-huh. So. Oh, so it was it, it, it was allowed. Yeah. yeah, it was allowed because she's a small one and she could mm-hmm. uh, be in her luggage, <laughs> a luxury luggage. Uh, I went to uh, Warsaw, and from Warsaw, it's on a train. So I want to. I wanted foreigners, they understand that you can get in Ukraine or out of Ukraine, only like the ways are just train, car, bus. Yeah, land routes. Yeah. And then 12 hours train. (laughs) To Kiev. To Kiev. And I came back and it was uh, March, late March. 
our way. Uh, basically, when we were traveling in 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 Ukraine already, close to the uh, close to Kiev, we passed uh, small towns next to Kiev. Like Bucha you mean, and you mean the, the ones European, that were occupied, yeah. of course? Yeah, the, the uh, I believe own. the name Bucha, all our listeners know. Exactly. Notoriously. And if you could see uh, like burnt cars, like those layers of cars that everyone can see yeah. uh, in every picture from that when you Google Bucha or Ripin, uh, just everywhere next to do those trails. So we could see this already. And then I came to Ukraine. Uh, I live uh, in the neighborhoods where Russians hit. They supposed to hit the plan, but of course it was always a uh, residential building, as usual they do. On my, like in taxi, not in the car, I was passing um, that neighborhood, my neighborhood basically, and I saw this building. So I prepared myself for that mm-hmm. because I knew that When you see the picture, you understand, okay, that's your neighborhood or that's a, a small town next to Ukraine. You know those places because you walk there, you you live there. Yeah. But when you see this with your eyes, uh, it's completely different than than the picture and the impression is because you feel more deeper. You feel like, I know, I felt more, I was furious on some unknown level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you basically witnessed it with your own eyes yeah. for the first time, and basically those pictures that you've seen in the news and all over the internet, they mm-hmm. came alive. They are for real. You. you can see this real. Because when you see the image of something that happened, it's still there is some barrier that because it's a picture. When you are there and you see stones, bricks, or crashed windows next to you, it's another type of. Um, mm-hmm. experience yeah of course so uh, after you returned uh, Russia uh, early May Russia started to <laughs> uh, <clears throat> launch missile attacks almost uh, daily or should I say nightly nightly uh, yeah but almost every night they uh, try to uh, target Kiev and mm-hmm. of course uh, Ukrainian air defense uh, works really glory to them yeah yeah they, they do a tremendous job of keeping us all safe but still um, that's no easy treat uh, to do it and uh, for Ukrainians to live through this so um, were there any point uh, at which you thought maybe that you uh, I don't know uh, came back too early or uh, you should have decided to stay in the UK because of that? Uh, when I came, it was like Sunday evening and I guess on Monday, so my mom came to visit me in the state of Grace and helped me with some basic stuff at home. Mm-hmm. The next night, Russians, they sent uh, Iranian drones mm-hmm. and there were explosions in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Quite loud. So Grace got scared and I was like welcoming <laughs> it just welcoming me <laughs> awesome all those flashes and lights and the sound just welcoming russians are welcoming me uh yeah i when i panic i make jokes mm-hmm. um, as many of us do exactly so since ukrainian sense of humor is kind of a unique phenomena <laughs> i still still again i prepared myself for this so the war is still on And Russians are going crazy more and more, as we can see with uh, all those last there, it's called activities, atrocities that they they did. Um, I prepared myself that, yeah, you put yourself in danger 
but that's your choice and you mm-hmm. put your, your dog in the injury <laughs> bringing it, the British dog from, from the UK to Ukraine but that's your choice so live with this and try to find your way how to live with this mm-hmm. yeah but May was extremely horrible we had as I do remember only five quiet nights in May Yeah. so 31 days and did, yeah. only five quiet nights when Russians slept I guess and let us sleep But doesn't mean that they were not shelling uh, other towns at that moment. Yeah, just, yeah, because of we're course we were speaking about, about Kyiv. Just, yeah. just Kyiv. And I believe that the second week in May was extremely horrible because they were shelling us with kinjals or something. Yeah, strong. hypersonic, hypersonic exactly. missiles. And there were explosions in my neighborhood, like really loud and really close. I was sitting in, in a corridor with dog and just cursing Russians. I know some people say that's not good for aura. I don't know. If, uh, it helps me. So yeah, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Nothing like that in this podcast. Whatever <laughs> works for you works for us. So, don't worry. <laughs> so that's that's my uh, my way. Just donate money. <laughs> when when you survive, you donate money to to the army and you try to sleep for one more hour if you're lucky so uh, or go and clean your kitchen May was horrible honestly scary uh, horrible tough because besides the fact that there is a threat of your life for your life mm-hmm. you we couldn't sleep properly and when you don't sleep a few nights in a row you feel like a jellyfish that's what yeah, how I call it your brain is just like Sorry, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I I don't I cannot help you with boiling water for your tea. But you need to be functional. You need to go for work or work from home. Buy some some groceries. Walk your dog. Take a shower. Again, just be person who lives uh, this life the way uh, you can. I do not regret because every time, of course, I'm scary. I'm scared, of course, sitting in the corridor, knowing that it's... In case there is a drone, uh, you have a chance to survive. In case there is a missile or some, I don't know, whatever they use, there is no way that you... Maybe a miracle happens and you survive some under the rubbles, but not that much chances. But it makes me more and more angry because it's like... When the more they push, they 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 push, the more angrier I I get. So yeah, so um, you answer like with um, your dedication to uh, I don't know sending negative vibes towards Russia. <laughs> that's your response. Yes, and, that, and that, donating to that the calls army. me. That's my mantra. Yeah. Okay, so uh, on this, uh, I, uh, even though uh, complicated, but I still believe uplifting note, uh, we end for today. Uh, thank you, Anna, for sharing your story, for sharing your experience, which, uh, as I mentioned before, is not an easy one. And of course, uh, many Ukrainians uh, can relate to your experience. You can relate to theirs. Uh, yeah. We all live through quite a difficult time, especially here in Ukraine, but also those who are living abroad Road, even uh, even now uh, they of course still uh, get the feeling of uh, they follow what's going on in Ukraine and of course it's not uh, an easy journey for them as well thank you again uh, thank you for coming to our podcast uh, and uh, goodbye everyone thank you
We would really appreciate if you could recommend us to your friends and family as well as share information on social media. This way more people would learn about the highlights from Ukraine and the truth about Russia's invasion. 